It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball, and Olympic sports. You can subscribe at www.theagship.com. That is where all of the written stories go. Uh, still stories going up there pretty much every day as we shift into not fully into basketball season. There is one more football game on the way, which we will talk about here on this recap show. Uh, but all sorts of stuff over there. Go to www.theagship.com to subscribe. If you are already subscribed, uh, thank you for your support. Uh, I am joined, as always, by co-host Parker Ballantyne. We are going to talk about Utah State's 44-41 double overtime win over New Mexico to get to bowl eligibility, uh, as well as a little bit of basketball stuff. Um, it's a cursed recording. It's a late night recording. But Parker, we're here. We got football to talk about. How's it going? What's up, Patrick? It is. It's going well. It was. Uh, yeah, this. Uh, I could be. Uh, I could be feeling really good right now, or really bad, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I. It was a good weekend overall. I'm feeling good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. It's. Uh, we're, we're. We're out of the. The busiest of of crossover season, rather. Uh, almost into December now, which means that basketball is shifting into full focus. Um, that's a fun time of year too. I, I think that this is, you know, obviously the slowest time of basketball season. This is you get into conference play. It's it's two games a week, pretty much every week, and they're almost all big games. Um, but for right now, basketball is kind of starting to starting to gear up. Football is is slowing down a little bit. Um, there is of course football news, none of it related right now to Utah state. And as it currently stands, I would say that no news is good news for Utah state because much of the news in college football this week and specifically today is transfer portal entries. And in some cases, coach firings, um, there are, I, I would, I would guess there are probably some staff changes coming at Utah state. I don't know exactly when those will be coming. I don't know that those would come before the bowl game. Um, that's not usually how it goes. Uh, but there are, you know, firings happening, head coach firings happening in the mountain West throughout the, throughout the country, there are hirings happening. Uh, and there are, as I said, a bunch of portal entries and that's where no news is good news for Utah state. Utah state has yet to, uh, as of, as of recording on Monday night, Utah state's yet to have, have anybody do the, uh, with that being said post there are, there are no one is, no one is, you know, with that being said, uh, at at this (laughs) juncture, um, there was even a, a specific rebuke of, of with that being said from Anthony Switzer, who said that, uh, at least he would be back. I, I think he said we. Uh, I don't know exactly what all we means, but he will. Uh, it seems like Rasul Faison also will at halfback. I, I don't know that either one of those guys would have been able to really realistically transfer anyway, but there's two starters. That's good news. Um, yeah, and there's sure. no bad news. So for Utah State, that's where they would rather be. Uh, having no announcements is quite a bit better than having some announcements at this time of year For if you are Utah State. Just... Uh, and, and, you know, there will be transfers there. There just, there just will be. And that's the way that it is. Um, not saying that like in the, uh, the, you know, oh, dreading it way, just like guys will leave guys will be not necessarily encouraged to leave, but they, this is what this week is for is kind of talking with the guys about long-term plans, where they fit 
in the too deep moving forward where they you know what their progress is looking like or isn't looking like and and what their what their futures might hold um but for right now utah state there's no disaster there's no giant you know there's there's not a big hole in the dam with water you know coming out of it they they've kept they've kept everything plugged up uh for the time being and not every program can say that uh and so that's good news for utah state no news is good is good news yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we will get a little bit of news. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm skipping ahead here uh, with the bowl game announcement at some point. That's uh, That will be good news, but that's really the only thing you want to see uh, coming out of the next couple of weeks. You don't want to see a whole lot of transfers um, and, uh, and coach firings at Utah State. You did mention there's going to be some turnover uh, with the staff. That'll happen probably after the bowl game. But, but yeah, right now um, – couple pieces of good news with uh Switz and Faison and other than that we're we're kind of chilling we're in uh we're in wait and see mode which is not the worst place to be right now um you get to that bowl game and and things tend to stick together a little bit more i think you know you're seeing a lot of teams across the country that that fail to get to uh bowl eligibility and that's when things start to implode a little bit yeah um prematurely so right now we're good um I'm not, I, I'm sure I'm not breaking any news here or uh, surprising any people when I say that the transfers will come. We're not immune to it, but so far things are looking good on that front. Yeah. The more you can keep, te- the more you can keep a team together for a bowl game as well, the better it is for, you know, portal stuff because there's, there's less time. Um, and also because it, it signals at least some level of interest in continuing to play with the guys who they're playing with. And so if you see basically the same, Utah State team in the bowl game that we have been seeing for the full season now. Um, that's good news. Obviously, last year, that was not really the case at the first responders bowl. There were not a ton of portal entries at that point, but it was a very different looking Utah State team than the one that had taken the field for much of the season. And uh, the result, I don't think, would have been changed a whole lot, but it, it was certainly not helped along by that. Um and uh, that that's not yet a, a concern. Um, still plenty. I mean, the portal hasn't even opened yet. The portal opens officially on yeah, December 4th. <laughs> but for, ri- for right now, pretty good. <laughs> pretty yeah. good. Uh, bowl news, as you said, will be coming this upcoming weekend. Um, the projections, I've not looked at all of them, but it seems like the general thought is, of course, the Idaho Potato Bowl, which is just a, a classic... Uh, if you are doing bowl projections, just a classic place to put a six and six Mountain West team. Just yeah, send them to the Potato Bowl. Um, I saw two yeah, different yeah. Uh, picks for Utah State to play Bowl and Green in the Potato Bowl. I also saw one for uh, from ESPN for Utah State to play Arkansas State in the Frisco Bowl. That would be fun, obviously, for the connection that Utah State has to Arkansas State through its coach uh, and through several players, uh, Anthony Switzer included, who we just mentioned. Um, but we will cross that bridge when we get to it for right now. Let's talk about football. Let's talk about the football game. That was, as I said, Utah state wins in double overtime at New Mexico, 44 to 41, um, walk off 13 yard rush from Levi Williams on what was, I mean, it looked like it was going to be a broken play. It was a, it was a bad snap, nearly got away from him. He corrals it and just doesn't stop running just keeps on running and nobody nobody has anything to say about it nobody has any nobody has any disagreements to lodge with him running 13 yards into the end zone and sending utah state to a bowl game and i think williams is the 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 game-winning touchdown and then the extension to the rest of the game that levi williams played is probably the best place to start this 
because Parker, this was the Levi Williams game at long last, and this is oh, yeah. <laughs> this is not oh, uh, we yeah. we are not going to rewrite history here and say that we were calling for Levi Williams to be the starting quarterback, but we will say that we were calling it for him to be the starting every other position on the field. We wanted to see <laughs> Levi Williams anywhere. Just put him in wherever. That's a football player, and uh, the football player did some some pretty severe football player things on on Friday in uh albuquerque um he's where we have to start here what a what a game what an amazing game from levi williams (laughs) the football player played football that is that is very very true he looked he looked really really fun i mean if there was a guy having a good time out in that field it was levi williams man yeah um uh, we we didn't get to a preview show for this game um, because of quite frankly, just a brutal stretch there with three yeah. games uh, on the basketball side, a pair of basketball, uh, yeah, a, a three straight games on the men's side, a pair of uh, women's games kind of throughout that week and the weekend, and then the football game on a short week with Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, there was a lot going on. We didn't get to the preview game, which, you know what? Fine by me because there is no way we would have you know we had no idea where this is going to go yeah. um we we would not have predicted most of what was happening in this game um maybe the, i think we well, knew going in that levi was the starter but i didn't yeah. know what to expect i i did not know he was going to look like that he was very very good and very very fun you already mentioned that last play wow that was that was crazy i mean practically just yeah i mean he just calls game instead of jumping on it or picking it up and throwing it away he just decides um, I'm done. This yeah. I, I'm done not winning this game, so I'm just going to go win it real quick. Yeah. And just runs it in. I mean, it was great. It was awesome. And and he did that on a couple occasions where he just kind of, like, it didn't even really look like it was designed for him to do it. He just, you know, the, 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 the spirit moved him, and he decided that he was going to go and make a play. <laughs> and he just, and he did. And he did that pretty reliably in this game. I think, yeah, if, had we previewed it, I think probably the thing that we would have gotten is that New Mexico's uh, Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt was going to run for a lot of yards, which he did. Uh, he had 31 carries for 233 yards and a touchdown. That's a that's a good player. That's a really, really good player that they've got there. Um, he he was excellent. Uh, but Levi really just, on a lot of occasions, just kind of took the game into his own hands. And it was not, it was not an easy day to pass. Uh, he passed the ball fairly well in the first half. I don't know if I have the exact stats. Let me let me look. Um, I'm going to have to do math on the air. This is not something you're supposed to do. I've learned this. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, most of, almost all of his passing yards came in the first half because in the second half it was, it was starting to come down and it was very windy. Um, he threw the ball really well in the first quarter when it was still nice enough outside to throw the ball. They mostly stopped throwing in the second half because it just wasn't really going to it wasn't really going to go, and you see the other side of that on on the New Mexico offense, where uh, their two quarterbacks combined uh, to they they threw for 202 yards. They had one touchdown pass. They also completed 17 of 44 passes, um, which is not very good, and the accuracy was just not really there for either one of them. Um, and I think Utah State kind of correctly removed itself from that situation entirely by just not really throwing the ball in the second half, and, and it, it worked out. Uh, Levi still on the day, 16 of 27 for 198 yards, two touchdowns, 
he also ran 25 times for 153 yards and three touchdowns. That's a football player. He just he's he's a football player at, at quarterback, and Utah State needed him to make plays down the stretch, specifically as a runner, and he just kept doing it. He he just kept making plays as a runner as the game tightened down the stretch. Uh, he scored both overtime touchdowns for Utah State and in the first and second overtimes. Uh, he also had a 29-yard touchdown run in the beginning of the second half. Uh, he just, when they needed a play, when they needed somebody to move the chains, Levi Williams was there and and happy to do it. He he, he looked yep. like he said he looked like he was having a great time. It was great to see him getting lifted up by his teammates, carried off the field after the after the overtime. That's a big guy to have to lift up. He's he is not <laughs> yeah, he is not, not small, small by any means. But um, I I yeah I really can't say enough about his his performance. I don't know that I'll do a ton of like actual in depth analysis. Just as like a. Uh, a football thing. Um, it was really, it was really cool to see him have that moment and to see him uh, really just, just you know, playing his heart out and, and giving everything that he had and, and then getting the reward that I think he deserved. I think Levi Williams deserved to win the game. I don't know if I would extend that to the full Utah State team, but I think that yeah, Levi Williams yeah. was the most deserving player on the field of winning the game, and he did it. He went and won it, and I was, I was very happy for him. Yeah, he he absolutely did. He was certainly the most most deserving on either side of the ball, certainly on the Utah State side. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I yeah, let's just leave it there. Right? Let's let's just focus more on, on the Levi stuff. I know there's people that are going to want um, this this conversation to turn into a conversation about Cooper and about McKay. I don't I don't want to take it there right now. I yeah. think that's a conversation for um you know, the week before we were getting ready for a bowl game. Uh, and that's when, that's when I'll leave that conversation because I, I don't want to take away from any, any of these quarterbacks, but certainly not from Levi Williams. He deserved, he deserved this win. He deserved this game. And uh, he went out and, you know, he proved that he, that he earned it yeah. uh, 153 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. Uh, he was the leading rusher by far for Utah state, not by far, but by about 50 yards. Um, just an overall, uh, just an overall solid game. Uh, great dude as well. Uh, a little bit of you know, just kind of the background on him. He's a junior. He's foregoing his his uh, senior year to go uh, join the military. Just a really cool dude. Um, very fun. Very fun game. And he he certainly deserved to win this game. Um, he probably. It sounds like he's probably. I, I don't know actually. I, I I don't know that we've seen anything more than than speculation. But it sounds like he could be the starter. He might not be in the bowl game, but. Uh, regardless of what the future holds uh, in his football career, he deserved this one and he went and took it. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, I, I don't really know that relitigating is going to do anybody any good. Uh, he didn't play in the first 11 games at quarterback and he or starred in the first 11 games at quarterback and he did in this one and he, he played well. And that's, I'll, I'm happy to leave it with that. Uh, like you said, we will have the, we will have the quarterback discussion come, come bowl time when there is a, a discussion to be had. But as for extending this, beyond just this game i don't really know what the point is um there's no changing it there's no there's no like oh well if we just apply levi to the last 12 games what do they look like it's like i don't know they probably win some and they probably lose some and the record looks about the same um it it is what it is (laughs) it is what it is there's no changing it um when he was called on he did very very well and he he went and and won utah state the game and that's why it's really nice to have a veteran quarterback, uh, you know, who you can who you can toss in there, and it's you know, yeah. 
uh, a credit to Utah State that he was ready to go. This is a third-string quarterback, and usually third-string quarterbacks are not ready to go, and he was. And it is a luxury to have three guys who can play. Um, that you know, that's a luxury that most teams won't don't have, and that Utah State has had to dip into now twice in two seasons, and both times the third-string quarterback has gone in and and won them a game. Um, that that is worth something that is that is worth if nothing else that is worth mentioning as uh you know impressive that they've they won a game last year with bishop davenport they won a game this year with levi williams um third string quarterbacks doing well at, at, at utah state winning football games um yeah, they certainly seem to be yeah busy weekend for levi in general because uh perhaps the this stride i don't know i don't have a full power rankings list of power couples at, at utah state but perhaps the strongest of the power couples at utah state uh he was also of course uh, alongside star volleyball player tatum stall at uh, at today's announcement that the volleyball team has made the ncaa tournament as a six seed um and uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. Good, huge good. news that was fantastic yeah good for good for them big weekend for the tatum stall uh household that is or, or for for the tatum stall levi williams household that is very exciting for them um yeah. yep very good very lots cool. of lots of big time production there that, that is you you win a football game on the road and you make the ncaa tournament uh that's a pretty good weekend yep. that's a, that's a good day at the office um, yeah, they're uh, they're doing everything they can to end up, you know, going uh, going down in history the same way JC and Bailey Carroll did, or yeah, even of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sam and Canyon uh, uh, Merrill. So yeah, uh, anytime you're you're trying to uh, to get into that party, you're you're doing something right. Yeah, I'm not saying they're there. I'm not saying they're not there. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying they're a power couple and they've yeah. done a lot of good. They did it. They had a huge weekend. So yep. uh, big, big shout out to both of them. Yeah. I, I forgot about the volleyball team. That's a huge, huge one. That was the, we'll definitely get to that, um, you know, on, on later shows when that game actually unfolds, but yeah, six seed going up against the Minnesota golden Gophers. That'll be fun. They, yeah. uh, they certainly deserve to get in. I, I am not as well versed in volleyball as I, as I wish I was. I didn't know. I had no idea. I had people DMing me on, on Twitter asking if we had the resume. Uh I I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea what it looked like. And I'm really glad they got in. That's, that's huge. Yeah. I I believe from what I have, I've, I've, very had kind of had to learn on the fly very quickly. Um, I, I believe it's a very RPI based system. Like it's, it's very heavily incumbent on RPI, which makes sense. I don't know why it isn't that for, everything if you have the system for it you might as well just do that instead of having a whole bunch of other stuff you know quad one quad two wins maybe that's part of it as well but i know that rpi is heavily considered for a lot of the olympic sports when selecting tournaments and utah states was was good and i think they deserve to they deserve to go dance and even if they did uh suffer a semifinals defeat uh, in the Mountain West Championships, just a tough game against Fresno State. Fresno State played really well, and, and Utah State was not able to pull it out. Um, but the Aggies will keep on playing, and they will, as you said, face Minnesota in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, anyway, back to football. Uh, other than outside of Levi, the big story here was was a, a less fun one, and it really made the game drag on for quite some time the elapsed time (laughs) the elapsed time listed on the box score is four hours and 29 minutes that even feels low that feels about four hours and 29 minutes short yeah Yeah, that even feels pretty low to me um and this one just dragged on and it dragged on because of a whopping 28 combined penalties uh between the two teams let me see if i have the exact yardage 
Uh, it was a lot. Um, I don't have the combined yardage for some reason. I didn't do that. It was a lot. It was a high. It was a high number. <laughs> it, was, it was a significant. It was 185 on 13 penalties for Utah State and 155 on 15 for New Mexico. Um, it was ugly. It was really ugly. It's the most penalties for a Utah State opponent since 2016 when Arkansas State had 18. Kind of a fun connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most yeah, for <laughs> most for Utah State in a game since 2014 when it had 14 against Idaho State. Uh, and the most combined penalties at 28 in a single Utah State game since 2003 when they had 29 combined against Wyoming. Um, so a little bit of history here, at least two decades long history in not a great way. Uh, it was ugly. It was sloppy. It was a lot of, on New Mexico's side, it was a lot of procedural stuff, false starts, illegal shifts, just like week one stuff. Uh, They they weren't organized. Uh, I think they were one of the most penalized, if not the most penalized team in America coming into the game. And then on Utah State's side, it was a lot of pass interference. It was mostly pass interference at felt oh like, especially yeah, down the stretch. There were there was of course the offensive pass interference on the the Utah State drive that could have iced the game with not very much time left. I don't know exact. I don't have the drive chart in front of me. It was not very much time left, and they could have run out the clock basically had they converted on third down. But Terrell Vaughn was called for offensive pass interference. New Mexico got the ball back with 209 to play at its own nine-yard line and proceeded to march 86 yards on 13 plays with 60 of those yards. 60. 60 of the 86 coming on four pass interference penalties. It was just pass interference after pass interference all the way down the field. Um, And you can, you know, you can argue the penalties all you want. They were called. I think that Utah State did not do a particularly good job of uh, covering its tracks when it came to, to... committing pass interference. I don't know that all of them were deserved. I think some of them were, and I think there were probably some that could have been called that weren't. Um, this was not a very, this was not an especially disciplined uh, version of a of an already, you know, not very disciplined Utah State team. This was maybe the worst it has, you know, statistically, this was the worst it's been in quite some time, but just with the way that it felt, it was not good. It was really not good on a, on a penalty front. It was really bad. So I, uh, I yeah I added it up and it is three thirty eight. I have that it was one eighty three yards on on Utah State. Oh yeah 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 one eighty three. Um, you're right. I I must and uh, then and then one fifty five. Um. Yeah. So really really not that bad with the, those two yards. I mean I I thought it was worse. I thought it was one eighty five, not one eighty three. So really not that bad. Right. That, <laughs> that makes it much. We're talking about a, a huge difference. There. Yeah. No, this is bad. Three hundred thirty eight yards is really really bad combined both both over 150. This was bad. It was not disciplined. It was ugly. Um, there was um, kind of kind of a, the full spread. You had Utah State, like you said, mostly was uh, pass interference, but there was some unsportsmanlike. Yeah. There was um, – it was ugly. It, yeah, it was I've, really, really ugly. I've got a stat for you to reflect just how bad all of Utah State's penalties were. Um, that 183 on 13 is a 14.1 yard average per penalty. So almost every single one of them was a 15-yard penalty. <laughs> oh, man. That is not good. Uh, for New Mexico, I'll get the I'll get the number here. It was 10.3 uh, per, per penalty, which is, you know, false starts and offsides and – Things of that nature, as well as some personal fouls. But for Utah State, it was almost all personal fouls. It was face masks. It was pass interference. It was unsportsmanlikes. Uh, it was all of the ones that you don't want to have. Yeah, yeah. It was, 
it was really bad. This game was so ugly, in fact, that one of the head coaches uh, no longer has a job. Uh-huh. So that is uh, that's about the uh, the way this game went. Yeah, um, it was bad. It was it was really bad. Um, outside of outside, you know, Levi, Levi Williams um, on the Utah State side, you know, kind of how you led that, you know, how you let us in is really pretty accurate. There was not a lot uh, going on. Um, it was, it was rough. Um, I don't have, I, it's tough. Cause this is something we've been dealing with since the beginning of the year, it faded a little bit. Um, and just when we started to give them credit for, for cleaning things up, they do this. This is not how you're supposed to look in week 13. This is not, uh, this is not how you're supposed to look this late. No, it, it felt, it, it didn't even really, it, you know, it was like you know, some disorganization, some some you know weird like chippiness in places where there didn't need to be chippiness, and and from some of the same guys who have been getting in trouble for that for years now, which is to say, mostly the offensive line. The offensive line loves to get loves to get called for unnecessary roughness. They cannot. Oh yeah. They can't help themselves. It's pretty much every every single member of the offensive line is getting called for unnecessary roughnesses several times a year at this point, uh, which you just really can't have. I, I'll be I'll 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 say it in a in a mean way. They're not good enough to do that. The offensive line is not good enough to be getting away with that. I they really no. You guys no. can give up. The whole team like, isn't good enough no, to do that. <laughs> no, the whole team is not. And you know some of them came from the defense as well. The defense did not have I don't think as many. I don't think it was like unnecessary roughnesses for the defense as much as it was like, you know, face mask and, and pass interference and stuff like that. You can't really have that many of those either, but at least those are like within the flow of the game. The offensive line, I don't really know that they need all that much help losing 15 yards. You don't need to do on one play for no reason. Um, they're doing just fine on their own losing 15 yards of, of actual football yardage. You don't really need to just add that on. Um, you know, this was this was a better game for the offensive line compared to, you know, most. They they, they gave up three sacks for 15 yards, and or, or three sacks for 14 yards, six tackles for loss for 18 yards. That's better. That's improved on where it has been, um, which is, you know, a low bar. But the the unnecessary penalties, penalties after the play, um, just unable to to reel it in when they need to. Um, it has been a it's been a problem all year. It was a problem obviously on that drive down the stretch where New Mexico was able to uh, drive down very nearly win the game. Um, got right down on the goal line and then instead settled for. A field goal. Um, I'm getting the exact yardage here. Yeah, they got down to the five. They were on the five yard line with first and goal. Uh, spiked it on first down, incomplete on second and third down, and then takes a 22 yard field goal as time expires to send the game to overtime at at 31, tied at 31. I guess there was still a kickoff, but um, it was uh, it was a lot of penalties. It was a lot, a lot of penalties, and and Utah State just can't really afford that just can't really get away with that kind of thing at at this point um there was also of course on that same drive there was an offensive pass interference i believe uh that that moved them back to i think so yeah yeah, that moved them back to third and 20 which they then immediately converted uh with a 21 yard completion um which which extends into a a larger conversation and one that we've been having about the defense pretty much all season but especially it feels like this last month of the year uh, they're just not disciplined at all, and it was really, really bad in this game. 
the the run defense was pretty much non-existent. Ja'Cory Kroskamirad, as I said, 233 yards. Andrew Henry had that ridiculous 64-yard touchdown run where three or four defenders had him dead to rights in the backfield, like five yards behind the line of scrimmage. He gets away. Nobody tackles him. Just, just nobody steps up and tackles him. Uh, backup quarterback Devon Dampier also had two touchdown runs. He rushed eight times for 36 yards. Um, the the defense is is uh, I I think the defense has just about given up the ghost at this point. They are they are much worse, and it seems like they just keep on getting worse at this point. It, it's I don't know that it's like. I don't really know exactly what is causing it, but it feels like the defense has kind of thrown up his hand, its hands and just is ready to be ready to be over with it. Yeah, the defense, uh, and, and this is something we talked about, I think, on the most uh, most recent show um, as we reviewed the San Diego State game, right? Is that the... The Boise um, State game. No, yeah. the Bo- Boise State game. Oh. You could say it about San Diego fast, State, too. How fast <laughs> that game left my memory. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Um, and it's something we've probably said a lot. This team uh, on the defensive side is way, way, way too talented to look this bad. Um, this is a, a mismanaged group of super talented dudes. You know, um, it's, it's an interesting dynamic we have on the show where we can sit here and praise, just absolutely sing praises to guys like Ike Larson to the point where it's probably annoying to some of our fans who are Ike Larson fans, you know, yeah. like we, we um, can talk about how this guy is NFL caliber, how he's one of the best defensive players uh, in in the conference and in the country. Uh, we talk about other guys like uh, MJ Tafisi, uh, MJ Tafisi, and the list goes on. Switzer yeah. at times, Switzer at times, Die at times. Yeah, um, absolutely. Holly at times, and then <laughs> as, as we sing those praises, we'll also, you know, in the same breath, talk about how bad the defense looks. Yeah. There's a major disconnect there. I'm not sure I've seen that level of disconnect between talent and performance uh, in, in a while. Not that I can remember. Uh, not that it was this glaring. It's a really, really talented core, and they're just not playing well. They just don't seem. They just don't seem organized. It, it's a bummer. It really is. Yeah, and, and there were some, you know, injury issues here that bear some mentioning, right? Like, like Anthony Switzer did not play for a lot of this game. He he was dinged up fairly early on, and I don't think he went back in. Um, the leading uh, snap getter at, at linebacker was Cole Joyce, who has basically not played for the last two months of the season. And despite having, I think, more than 50 snaps in the game, he finished with one assisted tackle. Um, I, I think that that was hurting Utah State in, in the run defense, is, is not having Switzer out there. Um, MJ Tafisi, for a guy who had 11 tackles, I didn't think played all that well. He missed more than he usually misses like several more yeah. than he usually misses uh which isn't saying a lot because he does usually he, he doesn't usually yeah. miss a lot but tonight he just looked a little bit out of sorts yeah. or not tonight uh, yeah after yeah after, during this game. he just yeah there were just too many missed tackles gavin barthiel also played quite a bit and i don't think he was super solid as a tackler um the defensive front was again kind of pushed around and this is not a not an especially good offensive line i i it's just, it wasn't good. Um, it wasn't good from the defense. I think Blaine Spires played pretty well. He had two tackles for loss. Uh, Halle obviously had some big moments uh, as, you know, in in overtime specifically, kind of saved the game for, for Utah State. 
Um, there were individual plays defensively that I thought were good. I thought Xavion Steele played really well when he was on the field. Uh, he was the only cornerback seemingly on the team who could cover without getting in trouble for it. Uh, they did not have Avante Dickerson in this game, and I think that that was hurting them down the stretch as well. But even guys who we have seen play well at points this season, J.D. Drew and, and Michael Anyanwu, they just didn't play well here. They just Their, their coverage down the stretch was not good. Um, Logan Peely, it seems like, has kind of uh, taking a step back from, from where he was at the beginning of the month. Um, the backups on the defensive line are just non-factors right now, if I'm being honest, like Bo Miley, Inoka Mingal, um, really, you name them, uh, you know, Sir Mel's, uh, they're just not doing much. They're not doing much when they're on the field. And it's, you know, you're seeing the starters have to play a lot of snaps up there. I think Paul Fitzgerald was up in the 90s. Halle was in the 80s. I think Cindy Tuiaki was also in the 80s. There's not a lot of trust in anybody beyond the starting 11 on this defense. And even guys in the starting 11, there's not a lot of trust for. And, and I think that it goes both ways. I think that there is a level of needing guys to grow up within the season that we've just not really seen. Uh, and then there's also a level that we've talked about at length on this show of like structural stuff, of not bringing them along at the right rate and not establishing the right habits earlier on in the season so that when you get to week 12, week 13, when you get to the last game of the regular season, you aren't having this many missed tackles. Um, just too many, way too many guys out of position, guys not finishing plays. Um, they got they got pushed around again uh, in, in trying to defend the ground game. And, you know, this has been a good New Mexico rushing attack, especially in the, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Krosky Merritt's a really good player. There's not a reason to be giving up 7.2 yards a carry on 47 attempts. That's 337 net rushing yards. It's just way too much. It's, that's way, way too much. Yeah, and some there were some pretty explosive plays, too, if you look at these. Andrew Henry, he only ended up with 82 yards, but 64 of them were on one run. Yeah. Um, that's a very explosive play, uh, just missing tackles. Um, in the air, it wasn't as explosive. They had they had some pretty decent throws. They had 28, 21, 29, 25, kind of as the, the longest um, to each receiver. Not bad, but really it's just uh, – it, it's tough to watch this defense just kind of miss tackles, not be in the right place at the right time. Um, you you know, Krosky Merritt, I, I don't want to take away from him. He's a, he's a superstar player, and I can't wait to see – uh, what he, what he, does he have one? I know he's a senior. I thought he had one more year though. I, I, I'm not he, sure. I think he might, um, I think he might have the COVID year still. I don't know if he's going to do it at New Mexico. Um, cause I think he could, yeah, well, be yeah, a, that's kind yeah, of, I think he could be say, a grad but, transfer, but I am curious to see just what he does next season. If he is still in college football, wherever he lands, um, whether it's, you know, if he sticks it out with New Mexico or if he moves, he's going to be, he's a player. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like our defense is just not a defense that you should be able to run two thirty three on. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot, a lot of yards. And it's just, uh, it's demoralizing. It's happening seemingly in demoralizing plays. I had to like triple check the uh, third down conversion rate for the Lobos. It wasn't out of the ordinary. It was like seven of 17, which still doesn't feel right. It just felt like they had a lot of well-timed demoralizing plays, but I think it just might be that time of year where this defense, everything feels demoralizing and, and they yeah. just feel like, uh, you know, they're, they're so out of sorts that it kind of hurts to watch sometimes. And it's yeah. it just, Man, they look. Uh, and again, like I don't want to come to uh, come down too hard on these guys, but we're, they they've done a great job of making really talented, smart players look bad and dumb. Yeah. You know, they've they've made dumb mistakes. They had 
they they weren't adjusting to the penalties down the stretch with I which I thought I don't know what I think. You know, I, I'm not going to blame this, re- you know, game on the refs one way or the other. Uh, referees are referees. They have good games and they have bad games. Um, but when you're getting called that tight like you were down the stretch, get your yeah. hand off the jersey. Get your hand yeah. off of him, you know. Play it a little bit cleaner Yeah. Um, because I think our guys are faster one-on-one. You know, you don't have to be riding them up the field. Um, and I, I, I think it's just lack of confidence and in that regard and then um, just being out of place, it's 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 really tough, and like I said, it's it's it makes it harder because it's such a talented group. It's that's what makes it feel like a gut punch every time. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I I think that yeah, the the not adjusting down the stretch is is especially worth noting because like, yeah, after every one of those pass interferences, of course, the defensive back uh, at fault is is saying you know, uh, you know, either complaining about the call or saying that it wasn't catchable, and it's like yeah, if the ball isn't catchable because it's pouring rain and and you know the wind is whipping around the field uh don't don't do it then don't even don't even make it an option don't give the referee any reason to call it if you don't think the guy can catch it then just don't don't worry about it let the ball go <laughs> you don't need to you don't need to do that if then if you if you if it's that you know if it's that serious of a of a you know a non-factor just don't do it just be close enough to the guy that if something crazy happens, you can still make a play. Um, But you don't really need to be blanketing these receivers. I don't think they weren't doing all that well through the air when it wasn't pass interferences. Um, And and just, it's. uh, Yeah. And again, that I think goes to, to the way the defense is drawn up. I mean, why are we not, you know, trying to load the box, stop the run, get to the quarterback. Why are we, why are we letting them throw? I mean, we were yeah. just giving them yards in the air because of those those pass interference calls. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know how to game plan it better, but I I I can look at a bad game plan. I know a get. I know a bad game plan when I see one. Yeah. I just don't know what I would have done in place of that. But it was not. Uh, it did not look. They did not look prepared to stop the Lobos, and that's uh, that's a shame because this is not a overly overpowering offense for the Lobos. Yeah, you mentioned the explosive plays too. I did pull some numbers on that for the stat book. They're not pretty uh really on either (laughs) for either defense uh for the explosive play battle which i am qualifying as gains of 10 plus yards which is not the formal way that it is done usually it's adjusted for passing and running but 10 plus yards is a lot easier for me to pull from the box score than just you know adjusting by by kind of play uh and so in that in the gains of 10 plus yards uh new mexico had 22 for 414 yards to uh 17 for 343 from utah state and so neither defense really put up a whole lot of resistance here to explosive plays but new mexico did win that battle utah state was a little bit better on non-explosive plays 2.6 yards per play to new mexico's 1.8 uh pretty bleak (laughs) pretty bleak on both sides of that uh explosive plays kind of made a pretty big difference here and and were really the only thing that either offense was able to get going um and so you would think from that that utah state did not win the game but utah state did win the game which i think brings us to the the crux of this result uh and and, uh, you know I, i think honestly probably the reason that Utah State won the game, which is situational football. And and we've talked about that a lot this season. It has not always been in Utah State's favor. I would say it actually usually hasn't at this point in the season. But in this one, 
Uh, Utah State converted on three fourth downs, and in the red zone, Utah State had five trips. It got four touchdowns and a field goal compared to for New Mexico. Uh, went for it on one fourth down, did not get it. It had four trips to the red zone, two touchdowns, and two field goals. Um, I will. Uh, we, we can talk specifically about some of those decisions down the stretch from New Mexico because I, I think that they were – they were bad on their own, and they were worse when you contrast them with Utah State being aggressive in, in the second overtime period. But uh, I think that was really what made the difference in the game is just that uh, Utah State was more aggressive and more successful in those aggressive moments, and, and those were the high-leverage plays that really shifted the game. Um, every football game, you know, when it's close like this, there's there's only going to be a few plays that, that are, you know, making the difference. And I think that, you know, all of the the biggest plays of the game, when you needed to get a play, when you needed to get a stop, or when you needed to convert, or, you know, maybe it was time to go for the win or to be aggressive, uh, I thought Utah State was a lot better equipped for that occasion than New Mexico was. And that's a credit to Utah State. It's also uh, a detriment uh, on, on New Mexico's side. And it's not really a huge surprise after watching them play this game that their coach got fired. I, I can... And you know what? I can understand that. I can understand maybe where they're coming from with that after watching how he managed this game. I was not especially impressed with really anything that Danny Gonzalez had going on here. Uh, you don't fire a coach over one game result, but I think this was kind of emblematic of what has been an issue there for them for his entire tenure of just a, a lack of uh, readiness for those high leverage moments. And that's how you lose one score games. Yeah, that's yeah. The play calling was really, really questionable. Like you said, I um, from kind of a, a cruising altitude um, elevation, looking at this program, uh, I can I can see the arguments that this you know there's a lot of people on uh, online saying that this program was about to turn a corner. They don't agree with the uh, Danny Gonzalez uh, firing, um, and that that might be true. Looking kind of at a at a bigger picture, looking from a from you know ten thousand feet. But when you watch this game, they they just didn't look good. They didn't look, um, you know, you kind of talk about there, there's this phrase where you kind of talk about how like Utah State didn't win this game, New Mexico lost this game, and I think that's that's very true. And that was um, very very heavily influenced by just poor coaching. I mean, they yeah. they did not look prepared uh, coming into the game, and they didn't look like they wanted to win the game coming down the stretch. It was called very very interestingly. So I. Like you said, I understand why he uh, why he did get fired. Um, I I can also tell you this is not insider information, but I can I can promise you he was not fired for this game alone. This was not a, a one game decision. Um, but watching this game and how sloppy it was and how how oddly it was called, I can at least understand where that that decision came from. I'm not close enough to the situation yeah. to say whether or not I agree, but I can definitely see where they're coming from. Yeah, the impression that I got watching this is honestly that I think New Mexico probably should have been a lot better this season than it was. Um, yeah, that that's was fair. you know I I think that the talent was there for them to be better than this and they weren't. Um, it felt like the the offense was doing not fully what it could do, and I think that the weather played a role in that game in this game specifically. But the stats this season are not amazing; they're better than they have been. I think that Bryant Vincent, the offensive coordinator there, uh, or I guess who was there. I don't know if he's still there. Um, the offensive coordinator for this game has generally done a, a pretty good job. Uh, Krosky Merritt was not like a standout for, for Alabama State. He's really kind of turned a corner this year, and I, I think that they have 
gotten the offense up to competent, but it, it did feel like just, you know, they had 15 penalties of their own and 155 lost yards on those penalties. And it, it felt like kind of a, I, I would imagine that this is the feeling for New Mexico fans who have been watching all season is the sense that they should have been better than they were. I would agree with that from watching them play in this game. I think they should be better than they, I, I than they are with that. this. I mean, to be, to be completely fair, I felt that way about both these teams, but yeah. certainly about New Mexico. They, uh, they looked pretty good. They, they have some talented dudes and it, it just felt like a team that was a little bit mismanaged uh, on a very significant, at a very significant, in a, in a very significant way. Pardon me. Um, we're recording late. It's uh, we're recording late, and I'm tripping over my words. That's what that's what happens. Yeah. So there are three, I guess four, when I include the one from Utah State that I liked a lot that I want to use as a as a way to contrast uh, here. But there there are four big decisions here down the stretch of this game that I did want to uh, circle and just kind of go through a little bit because I I think really what it was is that three came from New Mexico, one came from Utah State. Utah State was right, and all three of New Mexico's were wrong. Um, And that was ultimately the difference in the game. So the first is at the end of regulation on that drive at the end of the fourth quarter. Get down, as as I said, to the five-yard line. First down, spike it. Okay, you know, you got to stop the clock. I I get it. There was not a whole lot of time left. Second down, pass pass incomplete. I, you know, I don't think they had a timeout at that point. I get you want to, you want to throw the ball. You've been having, I don't want to say you've been having success passing because they really hadn't, they had success drawing penalties. Um, I wouldn't mind, you know, if you just try to give it to Krosky Merritt and if he doesn't get it on second down, you spike it real quick on third down and then you kick a field goal or you get closer and you set yourself up for another try on fourth down. I don't love back-to-back passes from a passing attack that was not working in any really any meaningful way. And then even then, when you get two incompletions, on fourth down and game from the five with four seconds to play, you, you're you four and seven, man. You're four and seven. And I get, you know, you, you feel if you feel pretty good about your team, you want to send it to overtime, you think you can win it in overtime, Okay, I think this is the easiest of the of the decisions to justify for in my mind because they were five yards away. It's not an automatic handoff. It's not an automatic touchdown. You have to do some work to get into the end zone, and if you don't get it, then the game is over. Uh, okay, you send it to overtime. The overtime ones were really, really rough. Utah State scores on the first period of overtime on the first drive of overtime with the six-yard Levi Williams touchdown run. Um, it was all Levi and Russell Faison on that drive. Razul runs for one yard. Levi completes a pass to him for 14. Razul runs for another four, and then Levi w- runs for six. They were doing the the LeBron and the Dwayne Wade picture. Uh, it was just them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just them. Um, Absolutely, it was. And then New Mexico on its answer drive, um, kind of the same thing, but with Krosky Merritt and uh, Dampier. Uh, Krosky Merritt runs for six, then 15, and then Dampier runs it in from four yards out. And then on the box score, if you hadn't watched the game, you wouldn't really know what happened here. You would just see uh, uh, back-to-back timeouts from New Mexico and Utah State. I think Utah State was the one who actually might have called theirs first. I don't remember exactly, but there were two timeouts. Um, and what happened was New Mexico had sent out the the two-point conversion team, had sent the offense back onto, fi- onto the field, uh, they were down by one. You know, the alternative is that you kick the extra point and send it to a second overtime. Uh, but, you know, you were not favored in this game. Again, like I said, this is a 4-7 and seven team. There is 
there's literally nothing to lose. There's no difference in being four and eight versus five and seven beyond your own feeling and the way that you end the season. Um, and I think that, you know, it's easier for me to say this from, as we have said before, the podcasting chair of like, yeah, I'm not down on the field. I don't have the emotion of, of being a coach in that moment. I get it. But I would like to think that if I was in that position, I would want to go out on my shield. I would want to, I would want to go out, uh, fighting. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. But they sent out the two point team, Utah state calls a late timeout. And then New Mexico decides instead that it wants to kick the extra point and send it to a second overtime. It's, it's what, three yards, two and a half yards. Uh, you have running back who's got 200 some rushing yards in the game and a quarterback who has been running well, I I have to think you could you could find two and a half yards, and if you don't, okay, you went out trying to do what you were doing best. Uh, I get that, and that would be. I don't think anybody would begrudge you for, for that as a four and seven team. You are not playing for a championship. You're not even playing for a bowl game. You are playing for pride, and I don't think there is anything. Pro- There's nothing to be proud about in kicking an extra point in overtime uh, as a as an underdog at home in the driving rain. Just Try to get two and a half yards, man, and you win the game. You're going to have to go for two eventually anyway if you want to extend the game because you have to do it immediately in the second overtime if you score a touchdown. Um, I did not I did not like that. If you have the two-point play and you feel good enough about it that you send the guys out onto the field and then a timeout changes that, I think the process is bad there. I Just just try it. If you, if you're, if you have it ready to go, just do it. Just, just see what happens. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. But I, I think that that was really... That was really shaky at that point, and it benefited Utah State. But on the New Mexico side, like, dude, what what are we doing here? What are you what are you what are you so scared of? You lose. You've already lost plenty this year. It wouldn't be that different. Just try it. Just see what happens. Yeah, that was kind of bizarre. I wasn't sure um, what they were doing. They, like you said, they ran their two team out there, and then they waited and they waited, and Utah State was able to get a timeout in. Um, I'm not sure if that was gamesmanship by Utah State or if they didn't like what they saw. Um, but like you said, at any rate, they they rolled out their, their field goal unit after that. Um, I mean, I understand trying to play conservative in some cases there, um, but not this one. You're, you're a losing record. You're not fighting for ball eligibility. You're just trying to go out on a win, um, maybe, maybe fighting for your job. Um, and at the very least going out on your sword, like you said, you know, why are you, uh, why are you playing conservative there? You have a running back that Utah state couldn't stop all night and you're taking the ball out of his hands. And that's, you know, that's, that's one thing that I'm always a fan of having the ball in your playmakers hands. That's why I'm not, I'm not always, uh, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of like trick plays and stuff yeah. where you're forcing your punter to throw the ball. Cause you know, who's great at throwing the ball, your quarterback, you know, who's great at catching the ball is your receivers. You, you mess with that. And, and things get weird. Yeah. You had a guy with the hot hand, a guy who was very good at running the ball. Let him run the ball. It's not yeah. that hard. It, it shouldn't have been that hard. I think that was uh, that was a mess, I think, on play calling, if I'm being honest. Yeah. You are very, very rarely, if ever, going to hear me complaining about a coach just trusting his guys. Um, there are times where conservative calls and, and just taking the points or just punting is the right call, given the game state. We've talked about those at times for Utah State this season where, like, yeah, you probably don't need to go for it on fourth and two from your own side of the 50 in the early third quarter. That's maybe not the time to do that. But game's on the line. You have a chance to win it. You need two and a half yards. That's about as good as you can ask for if you trust your guys. Just 
That's not that bad. That's there. There are far worse situations that you could be in. Already, probably pretty lucky to be still playing at this point. That you know, really late burst from New Mexico to tie the game. Um, I, I, I did not much. I did not much appreciate that from them. Obviously, I think Utah State did. It it worked out in Utah State's favor, and it was you know it was a good timeout to make them reconsider. But I, I would. It, I, I'm never ever going to complain about a team you know, trying to win the game, going to win the game. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't get it, you don't get it. But if you do game's over and you trusted your guys and it worked out. And if it didn't, you still trusted your guys and you're not, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with trusting your guys to try and win the game. Um, well, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then in the second overtime, I, I got to say there, there's no shot. He doesn't get it. Right. Yeah, I think he probably gets it. <laughs> I, I think looking back, yeah, I, I think, I think he, probably, he probably gets it. I think either him or Dampier probably gets it given yeah. the state of Utah state's run defense at that point. Yeah. Glad um, we're on the same page on that one. Cause that, there did not seem to be a question in my mind. Yeah. I, I think unless you, unless you decide to pass there, which maybe that was what was going on is that they thought they were going to pass, maybe. which would be maybe. a bad idea. No reason to do uh, that. Yeah. Um, you'd yeah. gain 25 yards on the ground on three plays. It's, you know, averages work out fairly well for you in, in that in that case. But in, in any in any case, it works out in Utah State's favor. It goes to a second overtime, and then this is I I think pretty comfortably the most egregious of the bunch. Somehow, um, New Mexico goes a six yard run, three yard run, seven yard run, three yard run, five yard run. The five yard run uh, initially is it looks like a touchdown uh, from Devin Dampier on second and goal from the six. It is eventually called short just outside of the goal line. It is it is right there. Uh, third and goal from the one. They give it to Krosky Merritt, and Holly makes a big play. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. Holly Motuapuaka makes probably the biggest play, at least before the game-winning touchdown of the game, I think comfortably the biggest play. Um, gets through, stuffs it, pushes it back a yard, makes a big play, pretty much the only big play that Utah State had made against the run in... Well, it felt like several hours at that point and might honestly have been several hours at that point, but uh, made a play when he needed to. And then this one is, is I really can't, I can't even see the other side of this. I don't know how you could possibly come to this decision. Fourth and goal in overtime when you have the ball first from the two-yard line. And your previous sample size is, yes, you lost a yard on the play prior. Before that, 5-3-7-3-6, going back into the first overtime, 4-15-6 gains on the ground. And you go back into regulation, I think the last run that they had was a 20-yard gain. Um, I, I have to think... When you need two yards and you can, you can. It's not even to win the game at this point. It's just to to go up by a touchdown to to force Utah State to score a touchdown to set yourself up for the the you know required two point try that that starts in in the second overtime. A field goal is really not super. You know, it's not it's not great in overtime. You don't really ever want to be kicking a field goal in overtime, especially when you're up first. Um, cause you don't know what the other offense is going to do. And if right. the, if the last, you know, four hours of the game were in the, any indication, it was probably going to be a touchdown cause it had mostly been touchdowns. Um, so fourth and goal from the two and they send out the kicker for a 19 yard field goal, uh, ugh, two yards and you send out the kicker. I, that is, that is inexcusable. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was not a good, uh, no. that was not a good call because what that does is, it gives all the advantage to the Utah State. To Utah State, of course, we know with overtime, whoever goes second is is in 
the advantageous spot. Um, that kind of goes away if you score a touchdown and kick the extra point, and it really goes away if you uh, score a touchdown and score two because you're taking away their options. If you kick a field goal, they have all the options. They can kick a field goal to extend the game, yeah. or they can do what Utah State did and just win. Yeah. Um, you you yeah you put yourself in a position where you could not win. Uh, there's you. I mean, Utah State yeah. could have missed a field goal, could have gone for. There's things that could have happened um, that didn't. Yeah, because you, you very are, often you're going to lose this game with with that play call. Yeah, you are at, at the yeah the best case scenario is either you get lucky and they miss a field goal, or you your, your defense manages to to make a play. Um, and I get that Gonzalez is a defensive guy, and and you know there's maybe you can you can spin it as he's trusting his defense but utah state had already scored 38 points and you know finished the game with 500 yards and they hadn't really found an answer for levi williams running the ball i think at that point that trust is pretty well misguided i really don't i don't i don't i don't know how you can talk yourself into that as being the more the 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 risk averse call. You are taking a significant risk by kicking that field goal. If you don't get the touchdown, you don't get the touchdown, right? And and you know you have you you've accepted that you're probably going to lose the game because then it's a you you have to get the turnover, or the missed field goal, or a defensive stop, or any points will win the game for Utah State. But a field goal does you very little good. A field goal puts you at the at basically the best case scenario is you get the turnover but your next best case scenario is that you have to keep playing is that they tie the game and you yeah. have to go again it's 2 yards you're probably not going to get a better situation than 2 yards um yeah. just especially again with uh, Merritt Merritt Krosky going the way that he was yeah and a capable running quarterback who had been in the game for both overtime periods i i it really it was really Sorry. it yeah. was really baffling and I got his name backwards, by the way. It's Krosky Merritt, but yeah, still. Yeah, um, Krosky Merritt, yeah. His name, yeah, <laughs> arose by any other name, right? Like, yes. he still would have got the two yards. Call him whatever you want. He's, yeah. scoring, he's, he's running the ball two yards easily. Yeah, um, and I just, I that was, tough call. Tough that was call. really baffling. And then it was made that much worse <laughs> for New Mexico when on the ensuing overtime possession for Utah State where it just needs, you know, a field goal to tie, touchdown wins it, you get incomplete pass on first down, four-yard run from Levi Williams, five-yard run from Levi Williams, fourth and one. And this is a spot, you're at the 16. It's not an impossible kick. Uh, Elliot Nimrod has hit from that distance pretty reliably this season. But as Blake Anderson noted in the postgame, I think, you know, correctly and, and understandably, uh, the it was pouring rain and the wind was, was like 25 miles per hour in the wrong direction. Um that's not a safe play at that point. <laughs> the safer play is not to kick the ball. I know it's fourth down, um, but Utah State calls a timeout, sends the offense onto the field, and needing a yard, Razul Faison gets three. Uh, next play is an incomplete pass, but then Levi Williams ends it with a 13-yard run. There's your difference in the game. As, as, as clear as day, when fourth and one came, when the game was on the line for Utah State and it had the choice to either try to extend the game with a field goal or to try and go and win it, Utah State took the took the chance to win it and it went and it went and won it. Um, that'll do it. I mean that that's that it happens when you do that when you play aggressively when you play with confidence when you trust your guys to go and get you a yard. Um, 
the you know the the college football world will repay you more often than it doesn't and guess what if it doesn't at least you went out doing something that you're good at and not playing defense if you're New Mexico you're not good at that you're not good at defense don't put your defense on the field don't make your defense try to go win you the game if you not played 11 games already to this point did you not learn from those games that you're not going to do that um yeah baffling but Utah State makes the right decision credit to Blake Anderson for just going for it on fourth and one there's no reason to kick the ball there get a yard, and get three, and then Levi pays it off two plays later with the touchdown run. Um, Credit to Utah State. (laughs) Utah State had the chance to win it and was not afraid of that moment, was not afraid to be great, and just went and won the game. Yep, yep, that's absolutely right. It was, uh, that's how, yeah, that's how you play. When you're not afraid to be great, in college football particularly, that that goes a long way because uh, you can can make up, I think, for, for the talent gap that exists there just by trusting your guys doing the right thing, doing the right plays. Yep. And that was how it went. That was how it played out. Situational football. It is important. And so Utah state gets win number six in dramatic fashion. Uh, Levi Williams is carried off the field um, and has picked up from, if my email inbox is any indication, approximately 25 awards <laughs> this, this morning yeah. for his play. Yeah. He was the uh, uh, the in the, within Utah State. He was the America First Credit Union U- Utah State Student Athlete of the Week. He was the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week. He was named one of eight uh, Manning Award stars of the week. Uh, he deserves all of it. He had a a tremendous, tremendous uh, Friday evening, and Utah State is still alive, and Utah State will play a 13th game. Um, that is a success. That's a success. To get to a bowl game is a success. I think with this team, it was not guaranteed. Uh, there are issues to talk about with this team and we've talked about them all season there are yeah. things that need yeah. to be addressed there were too many mistakes the discipline was never really there the defense got worse all of this stuff is 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 applicable and is fair to talk about also this is a team with a lot of new players and they got to six wins and they're going to get to play a seventh game that is a success you you can say all of the other stuff while also saying that's a successful season they did what they what they they did what they wanted to do and what was not guaranteed at the start of the season yeah, no, that that's absolutely right. Um, I, I was saying before the show, I, I'm stuck between stoked that we get a bowl game and disappointed in the way the team looked at times. Um, and, I, and I think I've been wrestling with that since this game ended. Um, I think I'm okay feeling both of those things. I think I've come to terms with the fact that both of those things can be true. I am stoked that this game, uh, that this team gets to play again. I think they deserve to play again. They're talented enough to be a bowl game. Um, but at the same time, I, I think they're better than six and six. I don't think they were... Uh, I think they were better than this, uh, particularly the guys on the field. I think they deserve better. But um, what are you going to do? You have one more game. You can still go uh, go out with a winning record or a losing record. That's the fun thing about being six and six. Um, bowl game can really define a lot. So last year it went the wrong way. We ended up six and seven. Hopefully we can go uh, seven and six this year and at least get uh, you know get over five hundred on the season. Yeah, and I think it is fair to to have all those feelings. I think it is fair if you are a Utah State fan. You don't need my my permission, but. You're allowed to be frustrated with this. You're allowed to think that the team probably was better than it showed at times this season. Um, I think that it is also worth giving credit for getting to six and for getting that chance to to play a 13th game. Uh, Like I said, it was not guaranteed. I I think there is cause for 
you know, a lot of, uh, of optimism about what this team could be next season if they are able to keep this group largely intact, which, you know, we'll see. I, I think that there's a better chance. I'll, I'll say this. I think there's a much better chance that that happens this year than there was last year. And that's easy to say knowing what happened last year, but just in general, I think there's a much better chance of this group staying largely intact than there ever was of last year's staying largely intact. That was a ticking time bomb. That was not going to, it was not going to go. And I think that this one has the, has the chance that it can build towards something and going to a bowl game is building towards something. And that is, you know, you get to seven and six yeah. and you feel pretty good about the season. You get to six and seven, even, even at least you played a 13th game. You'd, you'd like to finish with a winning record. Uh, another six and seven yeah. would be, would be a tough way to end it. Um, it's never fun so. to, to so. lose in a bowl game. Yeah. I think um, I'm going to hold off uh, right now, at least um, given, given really my, my thoughts on how this full season went um, largely because I don't know how I feel. Like I said, I'm still wrestling with a lot of, of disappointment and, and excitement about how this team was and how they played. Um, but I will say, like you said, it, it's great to be in a bowl game. When, when we said basically all year long, and this is what I say about this program all the time, if anybody asks me, like, what's the, what's the floor? What's the acceptable floor? It's six, it's six wins in a bowl game. Um, so to be able to kind of be just kicked around by, um, fate a little bit and yourself a little bit and to be able to at least fight and, and get to six wins, I think says a lot about there's this team, their resiliency. Um, it would have been easy. You know, we, we sit here and talk about how they should have had eight to 10 wins all, all we want. Um, but anytime that's true, the opposite's also true. This game, this team could have won four games, you know, that's, that's very, very possible. In fact, they were probably a, a score away from a couple of the, uh, games going the wrong way. Yeah. Um, so they did. They did fight to a, a six and six record. I would have liked to see more, but uh, it does say a lot to just be able to say no. You know what? Six wins is the baseline minimum in Logan, and we're going to do whatever it takes to get there. Uh, and coming down the stretch, you win two games in overtime in the last three games. Yeah, um, that says a lot about what this team knows is the the baseline acceptable season. You know this, yeah. or, or I guess three overtime in the last two overtime in the last four games. Um, but this this team knows that if you play in Logan, you go to bowl games. Um, that's what's acceptable. Anything under anything beneath that is not acceptable. Uh, and I think there was a lot of fight that that they got this done. So I'm yeah. I'm stoked. And then we'll talk more about that as I uh, get uh, develop more coherent thoughts on the season. But that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, and and the small senior class, three members of it, stepping up in a huge way down the stretch with with yeah, uh, Steel, uh, Apuaka, and of course Levi. Um, oh man, we didn't get to talk cool. about Steel much, um, yeah. which I apologize for. He was a stud. He was very very good. I, I, I yeah. we yeah we we can hopefully talk about him on on another show, um, kind of as we look back on on the season and hopefully he has another good good bowl game so we have an excuse to talk about him but he looked really good he was great yeah and that says you know it says a lot about those guys obviously individually but it does speak to a a you know a, a, an improved culture that they were still that they were still fighting to get to six and that they understand that that is the the expectation and that they got there and it was not pretty <laughs> for a lot of the season it certainly was yeah. not pretty on friday but there were guys who were there who were ready to do it. Faison, I thought, played really well down the stretch. Levi, obviously, the guys who I mentioned, um, and they deserve they deserve credit for that. Now, also, you know, I, I say this not to spite the guys who are who are no longer on the team who could have been, who who landed elsewhere, 
but I will say this because I think that it will probably make some people feel better in kind of a weird way. <laughs> if you look at the transfers, who all of the transfers, like a huge chunk of the transfers who left from last season's team, off the top of my head, most of them are not going to be playing in bowl games this year. Like almost that all of them. true. I think Texas State's playing in a bowl game. I don't know that any of the other ones are, and I don't need to go through player by player and, and <laughs> shame them for going to a 5-7 and seven team or a 3-9 and nine team or whatever it might be. But just keep in mind, Utah State brought in a whole lot of new players, a whole lot of guys who had not played college football at this level before, and they're going to a bowl game. And there are a lot of teams that brought in big-time Utah State players that are not going to a bowl game and that in some cases are going to have uh, new coaching staffs in place next season yep. um, is what it Absolutely. is. It, it is what it is. Utah State did what it was supposed to do, at least as a as a minimum as the standard this season, and that is that's a win. It, it could have been. Yep. That's what I'll say. It could have been so much worse. It could have been so much <laughs> yeah. worse. And it, yeah. it's, we it's hear you. Game. It could have been better. Yeah, but it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. 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 You don't have to look far to see where it could have been worse. <laughs> Not, yeah. It's about an hour and a half away that you don't have to. That's, that's about as far as you need to look. Uh, could have been worse. It could have could been could have been a five been Utah State you know what hey Utah State could have started 5 and 2 and then not had a 13th game that could have happened that that's a possibility that is not that doesn't sound like is that possible <laughs> mathematically <laughs> it is not that not that not that distant you don't have to look I've, far I've for never, an example i've never seen something like that happen in provo yeah in it's my just, life it's um, impossible no, it's impossible to imagine um impossible and and i will say uh, i don't want to harp on i mean i do want to harp on this more but i'm not going to because i uh, i'm i'm I have class. Come on, guys. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that is a big uh, that that's significant when when the portal opens up, Blake gets to go tell guys like I was saying a minute ago, if you come to Logan, you play in bowl games. That's what we do. We if you want to play 13 games, come to Logan. Yeah. Um, you can leave and you can go play 12 games or you can stay <laughs> and play 13 games. Um, and that's that's the pitch. That's yeah. that's what he should be saying to his to his guys. Yeah, there you go. Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's fair. All right. Let's talk basketball here real quick. Let's do it. Let's we've get got, to hoops. <laughs> we've got a, uh, we've got a women's basketball result. Not a huge result. Uh, we have two. We have we two. Have two. Actually. Okay. We have a because lot. Because we skipped. Yeah, that's right. Um, so let's go chronologically here. We lost in a just heartbreaker, uh, against UC Riverside on the road. Um, that one was just tough. It was uh 60 or no 51, 52, 52, 51 for UC Riverside. Uh, they just took care of business. Utah state uh, did have an early lead and they blew it uh, largely because of a 21 uh, points uh, third quarter from UCR. Um, there was some, uh, there's some questionable things going on in this game that we, uh, you know, if we had more time, we'll talk about and, and we can get, you know, this will take up more of our time when we uh, when football is out of the way. Um, Cheyenne Stubbs, by far the best player on Utah State, sitting out for most of this game. Yeah. Uh, or not most of this game, most of the four, fourth quarter yeah. um, in a game that was going down to the wire was very questionable. I think this is a game uh, you win if Cheyenne Stubbs plays the entire fourth quarter. Uh, she only had – I don't think she had a single foul, actually. Um, yeah. So not sure what was happening there. Yeah, she was out from, from like the seven late in the seven minute mark to the two minute mark, which was very strange. Very, very strange. Um, and then the other thing that was very, very weird. Um, let's see. Yeah, she did not have a personal foul, so it must have been something else going on. Um, would have loved to see her be able to stay in that game. Uh, the other weird thing that was questionable is just the involvement of Ivory Finley. We have talked about this 
on air and off air, Patrick, Ivory Finley needs the ball in her hands. Yeah. Um, she's not going to be the number one scorer, but she can uh, consistently be your number two or number three scorer. In fact, when Utah State is led in scoring by Ivory Finley, along with Cheyenne Stubbs and Sky Miller, they do not lose. Yeah. And Cheyenne Stubbs and Sky Miller are always involved. So really what it is, is if Utah State is available, is able to get Ivory Finley involved, they win. That is what happened in their game just uh, a couple days ago, as you're listening to this, against a Division II Warner Pacific. It's a game you're probably going to win anyways, but the pattern continues. Ivory Finley does get involved. Um, she didn't get overly involved, didn't get the double digits. She ends up with eight points, um, largely because Cheyenne Stubbs was just taking care of business, scoring 22 of the 66 Aggie points. Utah State wins 66 to 54, again, largely uh, on the back of Cheyenne Stubbs. But of course, as is, you know, going to be the case all year and has been the case all year, she was followed closely by Sky Miller, who's a very, very good player as well. She had 17. Um, so a win and a loss, a loss and a win. Since we've talked last, Utah State is 300, 500, three and three um, for the first time since uh, two seasons ago when they had the same record through six. Yeah. Um, all things considered through six games, I would have liked to be four and three. I would have loved to pick up that UCR game. This is not a bad place to be for uh, for the women's team right now. Yeah, and, and like it, it's it's important to, and we've said this, you know, when talking about this team before, and and like we'll we'll say it again. Um, it is important to just like I get that that you know three and three with a with a win over uh you know an, an NAIA team and uh, apparently not a very good NAIA team from what um several very angry repliers have informed me on Twitter. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm doing the best I can here. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'll tune up on my NAIA women's basketball yeah. knowledge. I'm probably not going to do that. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's you know, they, they, they won by 12 points against a not very good NAIA team. They were also ahead by 19 with a minute and a half to play and then kind of just stopped yeah. playing in the last a minute and a half. A the bit, game yeah. was, the game was over. Um, and like, yeah, no, that's not, you'd, you'd love to, you'd love to crush this team and you'd love to win the UCR game and you'd, you'd love to be four and two or five and one or six and oh, but they're not going to be. And, and you, you, when we're talking about this team, it is, it is through the lens of just trying to make some progress, just trying to, to, to take some steps in the right direction trying to do some things on the basketball floor successfully. And yeah. that is not what the standard is at Utah State for basketball, just in general. The women's basketball team has a very different history and a much worse history than the than the, the men's team does. But yeah. it, that's that's the situation that it is. It, it is it's you know you don't have to like the situation. I don't think that Utah State likes the situation. I wish, I'm sure that the team would love to not be taking baby steps against an NAIA team, but they've won three games. That's as many as they've lost. They have a chance to win a fourth game if they beat Idaho on Wednesday. It's a winnable game. They were right there with, with UC Riverside. This was one of the worst teams in, in Division One basketball last season, and the improvement would be not being one of the worst teams in Division One basketball. That is the way yeah. that it is, and yep. you don't get there in a day <laughs> you don't you don't suddenly become not one of the worst teams in one day it requires developing things that can win you games against better opponents and involves bringing along players and finding players and finding things that can work 
in bigger games, and Cheyenne Stubbs has consistently worked in bigger games and has consistently put a lot of points on the board. She's a good player. She's a really good player. Um, Sky Miller has been coming on really strong and has really benefited from Stubbs being a number one scorer so that Miller doesn't have to shoulder that load. Um, Ivory Finley, like you said, getting involved is always a good thing for the offense. It is always beneficial when she is involved and they need to, they need to keep that up. Um, I, I thought Samiana Shuga, uh, Shuga Turaga, is that how you say it? Shuga Turaga? Um, I think it's Suga Turaga based on what I've okay. uh, kind of heard, but yeah, Suga we could be getting it wrong. And then the guys I'm hearing uh, on the radio could be getting it wrong. I, I, tr- I trust Aj. I, I, I trust, I fully trust Aj. I think he's probably yeah. got it right here. Uh, Suga Turaga, um, she played well. She's been kind of quiet this season, but she had eight points and, and, and two boards and four steals. I thought she played pretty well as well in 18 yeah, minutes. Fantastic. That is fine. Winning the game and having players play well and shooting a little bit better from three, just a little bit. It doesn't need to be a ton, just hitting some open shots. Uh, they had six in this game. Um, that is, it's, it's baby steps. It is steps in the right direction though. Um, to have three wins and the chance to go into December with a winning record would be a successful start. They've not, I pulled the stat for the, for the review to add to the end. Um, the last time Utah State went into the month of December with a winning record, uh, Parker, do you have a guess? Oh, it's going to be well, well before Kayla Ard. Um, uh, I know that because this is tied with the best record they've had through six with Kayla Ard. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I hope I was alive. That is all I, I can <laughs> you were, say. You were alive. It was 2016. Okay. The last time they had a winning record heading into December was 2016. It's 2023. So I was alive, but not in college. I was in yeah. high school still. Yeah. I'm old. I was, so. also, I was also in high school. Um, <laughs> also, we were both in high school. The last time that Utah State had a winning record going into December they still have to beat Idaho. Idaho is a is a capable opponent. They're three and two. They just played a really close game with Utah Valley. That's not an easy game. Um, it's not going to be easy for this team. It's not. This is not a. This is not an NCAA tournament team. This is not a contender in the Mountain West. But just taking some steps in the right direction is a lot better than the alternative. And that's just kind of where they are right now. That is. That is. It's what it is, and it's not ideal, but. It's better than the alternative of not taking any steps, of not showing any signs of progress, of not having any players who are standing out. They have players who are making plays. That I could not say that very often last season. I, I think they are at a better place right now than they were at this time last year, and that is what you want. That's 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 improvement. That's taking steps in the right direction. Yep, I, I agree. This is uh, that was a promise this team gave us um, before the season. I thought it was interesting at media days. They uh, they didn't talk about wins or, or goals about the postseason as much as they just talked about being competitive every game and improving every game. That was what they promised us. And I think they're uh, living up to it so far. Yeah. And that's fine. That's what else can you do? You know, that's just, yep. just control what you can control and try to get a little bit better every day. Um, I think that they are, they are making some progress and as much as you'd like it to be faster, as much as you'd like it to be more and more and winning right away, that's just not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and so I think that being just, just, you know, frustrated about it all the time is not really going to do anybody any good. Uh, Cheyenne Stubbs is playing really well. Sky, Mo- Sky Miller's playing really well. Just appreciate that they're doing that. They're doing well. There's some stuff that is working. They are winning games at a, at a higher clip than they were at this time last year. 
I don't really care who they're doing it against, if I'm being honest. <laughs> just just win some basketball yeah. games. Same get, here. Get some positive Same momentum. Here. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be world beaters. Just win some basketball games. They won four yep. games last year. Yep, absolutely. I'm with you. Yep. I agree. Uh, last thing here for basketball, the men's team will be back in action um, probably as you're hearing this tonight, Tuesday night at St. Louis. Uh, they will, this is their first game since winning the Cayman Islands Classic, as we talked about last week. Uh, St. Louis is interesting. They are, they are not, they're not, they've not been amazing so far this season. This is going to be, at least per, like, Ken Palm, it's, it's a step down relative to what Utah State just played in the Cayman Islands. I think, I think they're 167, um, but they have, they have good players. They are going to be without one of their, I think they're going to be without one of their best players, in I need to get his name. I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, Sincere something. Let me see. I'm pulling it up. Let's see. Sincere Parker. Uh, he broke his foot after game three. I don't think he's going to play here. He was their leading scorer. Really good player. I don't think they're going to have him, but there are good players here. Um, Michael Meadows, very, very nice point guard for them. Uh, some familiarity there with Danny Sprinkle because he was at Meadows was at Eastern Washington, which of course is another Big Sky team, um, and they they had played in I think the championship game several years ago, and he he's he's a good player. Uh, Larry Hughes, I I I fear that Larry Hughes the second is probably related to Larry Hughes the first, which is very troubling because I remember Larry Hughes the first. <laughs> I I, yeah. I have to worry. Yeah. I have to worry that given that um, Larry Hughes the first was born in St. Louis, I have to worry that Larry Hughes the second is probably related to Larry Hughes the first. I'm I'm looking. Oh no! I should have looked ahead of time. <laughs> oh no! It is. It's his son. Yeah, oh, I remember. News. I remember watching Larry Hughes the first play for the Cavs. That's not good at all. <laughs> Oh yeah. man. Oh, he's not even a freshman either. He's a sophomore. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. I, I was uh I know a lot of people had that moment last season with Jamal Mashburn, um, understandably. Yep. But yep. Larry Hughes that's the first one that's really kinda hit me in that way. Yeah, Larry Hughes the second this year, he's a good player for them, shooting guard. Uh Gibson Jimerson's been there for a little while, Terrence Hargrove. Uh, not a huge team. Their biggest starter, really their biggest contributor, is Tim Dogger, who's six seven two fifteen. Worth putting a pin in that. I will. I will just mention that they do have a guy, Bruce Zhang, who's seven foot two sixty five. He's also a freshman, and he's averaging almost nine fouls per forty minutes, <laughs> which is not good. Um, that's far no, too many, no, and so they not. don't they don't yeah. play him very minute very many minutes. You might see him a little bit more in this game for. Maybe as long as they can possibly afford before he fouls out, which is, I don't think would be very long. But uh, not a huge team, but an athletic team, and uh, it, it's worth mentioning, uh, given that the game is at St. Louis, really, really good home court advantage. Famously a very good home crowd that they have there um, that is, is, is not quite what it once was they're not they're as a program they're not quite what they once were but that is still a place uh, 10,600 seats they they consistently fill it I would guess it'll be pretty close to filled for this one um, really good program just historically strong uh, not quite as consistent as, as Utah State is but we talked about this with the Bradley game I like these matchups I, I like Utah oh, yeah. State, I love these yeah, I like Utah State going and playing at other just strong, historically strong mid-major programs. I like having those teams come to the spectrum. 
Those are fun games. Those are good games to play. Those are good tests, and they are uh, gettable, crucially. They are they are games that Utah State can realistically play every season. Uh, the trip to Bradley was great. I like this one. I mentioned in when I was writing about the Marshall game, I would love to see a home-and-home home with Marshall. That's another place that has a, a really good home environment, oh, yeah. and, you know, good history. Um, those are fun games. I think that this is going to be a fun game. I think it's probably going to be a win for Utah State, but we'll see. It's a good test. It's a, it's, a, it's going to be good to see them back on the floor after after a week break. Um, yep. I'll tell you, I miss watching the basketball team. It's it's it was hectic last week. Oh yeah. And I was glad to get a little <laughs> bit of a break. The week was 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 you know helpful for me. Probably not as helpful for me as it was for the players. I'm sure that they appreciated the rest as well. Yeah. Um, although apparently they had to have uh, <laughs> a sprinkle. I was transcribing. Sprinkles um, pregame availability earlier, and he was saying, "I'm going to get the exact quote, and we'll we'll end on this because I don't have anything else to say about the game." But he was saying that uh, they <laughs> they they got back. Yeah, here's the quote: "They got back late Wednesday night," um, and then he says here's something interesting that he then kind of. I would think, at least to me, kind of contradicts later on in the sentence. Uh, you tell me if this sounds like a day off. He says that they gave them Thanksgiving off and had a good meal with the team, and then we just did a run-and-shoot practice, kind of a dummy offense with no contact and a lot of shots, to try to run the turkey and stuffing out of them a little bit. That Parker, that kind of sounds like they didn't have the day off. <laughs> yeah, that does not sound like a day off to me. I'm not going to lie. Danny, Danny, what are you... What's going on there? Um, yeah, oh, poor guys. <laughs> uh, I love that he he cracks me up with with some of the quotes because like he's there's, awesome. He's there's, so there's, funny. He, he, I I've mentioned this. I I don't remember. There was another one in here that he that he had that made me laugh. Um, but uh, he's he's just so the intensity never goes away. There's never like every single he's just he's just locked in all the time. Um, and so the idea of they had the they had Thanksgiving off and just did a bunch of running like that doesn't <laughs> they had they had turkey yeah. and stuffing and then they ran a bunch like that doesn't sound like a day off at all that sounds awful yeah. <laughs> that sounds yeah. that sounds bad but like yeah that is a day off relative to relative to I guess what a normal practice is and then I guess on on yeah, Friday I, and I Saturday guess, yeah. they got, he said on Friday and Saturday they got after it pretty good and that he wasn't yeah. happy with yeah. the practice on Friday so they went even harder on Saturday um, nice yeah that that's, he's a ball coach he is a he is yeah. a serious ball coach but yeah that was that was cracking me up when I was reading that so earlier awesome. Oh man, yeah, he is very funny. Yeah, um, I'm excited for that game. First, uh, yeah, longest break of the season. Obviously, they have they've been out for a while, and apparently they've been loafing around at practice. So it'll be good to see how they they respond. St. Louis didn't have the same break. They played uh, on the 26th, I believe, uh, 25th, and they beat Dartmouth uh, by one. So uh, we will uh, we will see. I, I think this early in the season, a break's probably not the worst thing, but we'll see. I think it's a winnable game for sure against a, a pretty quality opponent, maybe not the best St. Louis team we've we've seen, um, but a fun fun program nonetheless, for yeah. sure. Yep, should be a fun game, and we will uh, we'll be around to talk about it and uh, everything else going on in the Utah State athletics world. Uh, so we will talk to you all soon.